What's up, what's up, everybody? It's Danny Green here, back with more Inside the Green Room, NBC Sports, Philadelphia. We got a lot today. Part two of the Joel Embiid interview, WNBA star Angel McCautry, and the preview of round two versus the Hawks. So let's get into it. We're going to get you guys set for the round two matchup between the Atlanta Hawks and the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm Harrison Sanford, and that's Danny Green, who's also been busy not just winning the first round, shooting at 46% from three, getting one block a game, over a block a game, a steal a game. He's also working on wedding planning. And at the same time, Danny, multi-talented, you're, you're good at uh, multitasking here. You're also a landlord, owner, part owner of the Green Curry House of Threes. What, what's yeah. your actual title there? I guess I'm part owner, man. Uh, I heard a small stake in it, but the dude who made the shirt was amazing. It was a dope shirt. They sent it out to me. Surprisingly, Seth wore it the day he wore it. Like I'm gonna say the very next day, but he wore it on travel day, and I brought the same shirt on my travel day. So it was like one of those things I, I felt like I couldn't wear it the same day he wore it. It would have been real corny. Um, so yeah, I kept it in my travel bag, but I had it with me. I thought it was a dope shirt, real cool, real chill. And um, you know, shout out to the guy who who you know designed it. So it, it was um, a hit. Everybody loved it. Everybody's wondering where they can buy it, where they can find it, and uh, hopefully, you know, brings us some good luck. Uh. I want to talk about Seth Curry and part of that reason is because he had a game, a playoff career high, 30 points in game five against the Washington Wizards. And part of that reason uh, was the injury to Joel Embiid. And we'll get to that in a bit. But what were your impressions of how you guys responded in game five in order to get to this second round? I loved how we responded, man. It showed a lot of character. Um, you know, throughout the playoffs, you're going to have different guys step up. Some guys are going to have great games. Some guys are going to have some, you know, bad games. And each game is a series within a series. Um, you know, the momentum changes, swifts or shifts different times. And, and now it's a, some guys, new life in a new series, guys have a uh, you know, new identity. They can re-identify themselves in a different series, different matchup they might thrive in. Uh, but like I said, each game is different. You know, some guy may be hot one game, some, some one guy maybe not. Uh, but Tyrese Maxey stepped up big for us, and T stepped up big for us. Uh, Seth, of course, Tobias does what he does every every game all year he's been doing for us. And then, of course, stepping up to the free throw line, knocking down and, and making them pay for trying to, you know, foul him and, and you know, try to see if they can get an extra possession with that. Um, so, yeah, I love how we responded. We came at home. We had our fans full capacity. It was amazing. The energy was unbelievable in the building. Um, it was a lot of fun to play in. Even though I didn't shoot well, I played my best basketball, but it was high intensity. We had a lot of fun. Guys bounced back, and we played, you know, up to the task, and, and hopefully we can continue that because we don't know how long Joel's going to be out. You stated, your, uh, you stated that you didn't play well in game five, but overall your stats – uh, for that first round were, were pretty solid uh, and above your season average when it comes to shooting percentages. Uh, but as you alluded to with Ben Simmons, I kind of think what happened with the Wizards was almost a blessing in disguise. Uh, if I look at game five, it looked like at that point, by the time game five hit, he walked to the free throw line with a sense of confidence that maybe wasn't there in game four. And I think it's going to discourage teams from doing it. And if they do do it, <laughs> if they do do it and he hits them, it's only going to help you guys. Yeah, I said he's a he's a confident guy uh, to the point where he's a little bit, you know, Australians might be a little edgy, a little cocky at times, um, which is a good thing in this sense. You know, he's walking to the line, I, I dare you to foul me, you know. So foul me, and I helped that our home court was there, our, our fans were there behind him. Regardless, he made a miss. They're going to be cheering for him, but he walked up to that line and stuck it to him. So um, he got his confidence back now. He got his rhythm back now. Obviously, he started off the series, you know, tough, but – just because his free throw shooting for that series or for those first two games was was rough does not mean that's his shooting percentage, you know. So um, I said now it's a new life. Each game is a new game within itself and now a new series where he's, he's coming back with a, a different mindset approaching the free throw line. So 
we, we want teams, he's wanting teams to foul him. He'd get extra free points for us. And, you know, he's one of our best uh, defenders. Uh, we can bring, change the game that way, pushing the break for us offensively and get us, you know, three-point shooting. Uh, and now he's getting, you know, he gets easy baskets at the rim, but now he's going to get easy points at the free throw line for us. So he's going to add another, another dynamic if teams continue to try to foul him. Yeah, and that dynamic will definitely be welcomed, uh, especially depending on what happens here with Joel Embiid. Uh, can you take us through that 24 to 48 hours when you when you were there on the court and you saw it happen and what the team's uh, response and mentality has been since then and what's impressed you so far about it? Actually, I had no idea what was going on when it happened. I didn't see it happen. Um, I just know he went out the game. I was expecting him to come back. I didn't know he was not coming back until – halftime they're like oh Joel's not coming back and I'll, what the hell happened to Joel it was kind of the same situation with me when Kawhi went down um in Golden State some years ago he rolled his ankle and said at halftime I didn't know how, the severity of it and I didn't kind of realize that, you know, you're stuck in the game you're caught up in your own game and, and what's going on you're not really paying attention to the outside stuff that was um happening uh, so I didn't really pay attention to the injuries until I, I see it or hear about it at halftime from medical staff um but yeah I heard about it they said it wasn't anything major um, like I said, another reevaluation of it. I don't know the specifics of it, but they're saying, you know, it's based on Joe, how he feels, how he recovers and his pain tolerance. So um, we're hoping that he's back sooner than later. And, you know, if not, you know, we got to prepare without him. And I believe in our team that we can still win games. We've done it through all season with, without him, but it's going to be tougher, but we have the, the build up the character. We have the, the chemistry, the coaching staff, we have all the tools we need to, to get, you know, games in the playoffs. It might not be the most PC thing, uh, but I do want to see him back, not just for his play on the court, but the thrust, the process celebration. <laughs> Gotta love those. Got I, almost, I thought about doing one of those, one of those, when I, I thought about a little thrust the process celebration when I flopped last game on Russ, uh, you know, taking a charge. I don't get many end ones. So it's not, it's not easy for me to get a little thrust, the process celebration, but we definitely need that more on the court. We need that confidence. We need that. And also he creates so much for us offensively. Um, easier shots for our guys, such as myself, um, to where, you know, our offense runs a lot smoother. And defensively, uh, another rim protector rebounder, which uh, changes the game. So um, outside of the thrust of the process, um, his little celebration, he does bring a lot more to the table that can help us. Indeed, regardless of when Joel Embiid comes back, uh, Dwight Howard is going to be important for you guys throughout the entirety of this playoffs. He showed how valuable he was there in game five with his rim protection, his finishing around the rim, and a lot of confidence at the free throw line as well. Um, when we interviewed Joel Embiid, he talked about the importance of Dwight Howard and how he tried to get him to come to the 76ers during the offseason. Uh, Danny, I remember uh, you were telling me your, some of the conversations you had with Dwight Howard. Uh, Dwight, uh, at one point, coming off the bubble season the, and then going into this condensed season, uh, he was unsure if he was going to have uh, the impact that he's had this year. This is one of his most one of his better years and most recent memory with what he's done for you, Joel. Uh, can you speak about the conversations that you've had with Dwight leading into uh, his decision to come to the Sixers and what he's meant to you as your backup center? Man, one that uh, they hit me up and they told me that he might be available, uh, so I just thought he would be a great addition. So uh, I ended up getting his number and I texted him. And, uh, you know, I just let him know that, uh, you know, he'd be welcome. Uh, we would love to have him and that uh, he, would, uh, he would make us better. Uh, so, and from there, uh, you know, I, I, I saw the news that he was signing with us and uh, I liked it. Uh, you know, obviously he's a future Hall of Famer and he's been around for a long time. 
uh, you know, and his energy just being around him. Like his energy, uh, always positive, uh, you know, smiling all over the place. So uh, he's a great teammate. Yeah, he's definitely helped me a ton too. Uh, and just him coming along with me, coming from LA, have another guy that I'm familiar with and going through that journey with me in the bubble. And obviously his veteran leadership being around the league so much has been huge, uh, not just for me, but for our young guys. We're recording this on June 3rd before the NBA awards come out. We're assuming that Nikola Jokic is gonna get MVP. I wouldn't agree. But here was our discussion on the NBA awards. Uh, obviously, if I would have played uh, a couple more games, uh, you know, it could have been, could have happened. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's a conversation I should be in every single year. And, uh, you know, by the end of my career, uh, I should have a few of those. Um, but, you know, that's not what motivates me. Uh, you know, being around the league and being in the league for, a while now, uh, you know, you get your respect when you win. Uh, so, you know, I'm after that championship uh, you, because at the end of the day, if I win, you know, that first one, and then I can start thinking about the other ones. But if I win that first one, I know I'm going to get the uh, respect I deserve. Uh, so, you know, it's all, every single day is all about, you know, working so hard to make it happen. I said if he didn't miss the games, he would be MVP. He's our MVP, of course. Um, but I said if we get to that finals, he has a chance to, to win the MVP there. Finals, which, finals yeah. MVP will be much better than the regular season MVP. Exactly. There you go. There's a bit of, there's some discourse between uh, people who do all NBA voting. Uh, this year, the NBA is allowing uh, media members to vote for anybody. Like they could list, for example, Luka Doncic as a forward. They could list mm -hmm. you as a power forward if they feel so inclined to put you and Nikola Jokic on the first team. Uh, I know Danny at one point was upset about the way they juxtaposed the positions when it came to all defensive team voting. Danny, I think that was like 2018, 2019 season. Yeah. Uh, Joel, when you heard the news that they could juxtapose uh, your position in order to potentially put you on the first team, and some people are still not doing it, did you have, what were your emotions when you, or reaction when you heard that? Oh, I thought it was great. Uh, you know, uh, all the best players in the league, uh, you know, should be rewarded. Whether is you know, if the five best players in the league uh, were all centers, uh, you know, I feel like it should be like that anyways. Uh, but it's, it's a situation where, you know, uh, you can make a case for me. Uh, but then again, uh, Jokic has had a great season. And uh, on the ballot, there's only one center that's that's allowed. And you're talking about someone potentially being uh, the MVP of the league. So it's kind of hard to for anybody to put him on the second team. Uh, but he did, did deserve it too. Uh, just like, you know, I deserve to be either MVP or be on the All-NBA first team. Uh, so that's... That's some things, you know, I can't control. Um, but I, I really believe that, you know, my, no matter what, uh, you know, all, if whoever was the top five best players in the league that year, that should end up on the all-NBA all first team. That's how it should be. And, yes, that was the season 
I had more votes than two guys that made all defensive team, but because of our position, I couldn't make an all defensive team. Uh, but there is a possibility you can do it because I did see somebody win defensive play of the year and be on the second team all defensive yeah, team. It's, it is possible. possible. <laughs> Yeah. which is strange inside the green room is on social media make sure to follow us on instagram at inside green room and on twitter at green room inside now back to the show back with more inside the green room harrison sanford that's danny green in our sure. next segment we will talk about the atlanta hawks but we have to talk about uh this trend that we're seeing in the nba now and i know fans are just now getting into the <clears> arena <throat> so it's guys people are excited uh mm-hmm. but it's getting a little bit out of pocket uh, Danny, you've been, you were in the arena for the popcorn incident with Russell Westbrook. You were also uh, at Capital One Arena when the fan ran onto the court and you were right there. You were one of the closest people to the incident. Take us through your mindset as it was going down. Oh, at their place, it was interesting because I don't think any of us really knew what was going on. It was a guy on the floor. We thought it was a ball boy at, at, the, at first. We were like, who the And a while attack on the ball boy. And then later on, we started to realize um, he doesn't work for the team. Um, but, yeah, you know, when I looked at it, it, it seemed like, first of all, I think it hurt their fast break at that time. So they were probably upset about it. The fans were not cheering him on, but he got up as if, you know, he did something great, something amazing. It was that people were trying to just get their little 15 seconds of fame and said, I don't know his situation, but mental illness is a real thing. He could be, you know, lacking or going through something. I don't know. Uh, but if you are have no mental illness and you're completely sane, uh, there's no excuse for you to be acting that way. If you do, you should have somebody there with you, uh, either watching you, protecting you, or making sure you're 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 behaving like a, a, a real fan or a fan that should be behaving in the stands. Uh, but yeah, incidents like that, man, should never take place. And we've had in, in Canada and Toronto, best friends in the world. And I think, you know, the excitement of the game kind of gets the best of you. Like when KD went down, I don't think they realized the severity of it. And, you know, they started to cheer. And then they real, suddenly realized they're such nice people. They suddenly realized that that wasn't a good thing to be doing. And they didn't mean to be, you know, booing or cheering that he was hurt. Uh, same thing with Russell Westbrook, man. He was hurt coming off the floor. And I love our fans. I love our energy. Uh, I love how they approach the game. I don't like the booing of guys who are walking off the court that are hurt. Like, you shouldn't cheer that on or boo them. Respect those players. Respect what they do. Obviously, you don't like them because they're not the team. Um, but you should respect their private, respect their space as well. Should be throwing things at them. Shouldn't be pouring things on them. And don't be booing or cheering when they're when they're hurt, uh, because they are professionals. They are great at what they do, and that's not a sportsmanlike thing to do. So, um, you know, hopefully, you know, things will turn around for the better. Because you know, we're excited too. We love to have our fans back. I think people are enjoying it. The fans are the real fans are enjoying the game. But there's always one or two people that really ruin it for the rest of us, and you know, can make the game uglier than it should be. Yeah, I, I really hope we see the end of this, just because there's so much fun to be had in these arenas. And mm-hmm. sometimes at the end of these games, it becomes the main topic of conversation, what a fan did in the game outside of celebrating the performances that we're seeing on the court. And we're all going there for the performances that we see on the court, not for what the fans are doing with the guys who are competing. So let's cut it out. Let's have some real fun looking at the game of basketball that you guys have been playing at a great level all season long. And with that being said, there's some other people that we want to see at Wells Fargo Center playing on that home court. Angel McCautry, WNBA star, joined me and Danny uh, not too long ago to talk about her desire to see the league expand. And Danny wants to see a team in Philadelphia. Listen in. Tell our fan base what are things that they should be watching for this season. Oh, my gosh. One thing they should be watching for is, is so many great stars who have entered the league. 
you know, Sabrina Eskew is a big name. My teammate, Asia Wilson, Liz Cambage. I mean, it's so many stars in the league. You still got the veterans, Diana Taurasi, Suberg. I mean, flashy highlights. Games are exciting. One thing I always say, come to a game or watch it, experience it. And I always promise people, I'll, get, I'll buy your ticket back if you don't like it. And I've never had to do it. People enjoy watching our game. <laughs> Because you guys are fundamental. You guys are a lot better than we are. Um, it's always <laughs> fun to watch you guys. But also, you guys never age. They said, you know, the vets, I feel like they never slow down or lose a step. Uh, but it's, it's amazing to watch you guys play. Once again, appreciate you joining the show. Um, tell us a little bit more about your rehab. I know this year is going to be tough for you being on the silence. Tell us what you, they got you going through uh, during this time. Yeah, I mean, it was tough because 2018, I, I tore it and it was contact. I bumped into somebody and hurt my knee real bad. And that was devastating. It was just a long process. And then when it happened again a week ago, it's like, no way this is happening again. I'm, you know, I feel like I have a body of steel. I never get hurt. But sometimes these moments sit you down. They, they let you reevaluate. You know, I'm kind of studying the game more. Now that I'm sitting down, I get to watch the game, being a student of it. And so I'm in rehab right now. But this time I feel good about it. I don't, I'm not down. I'm not depressed. It's just a really good feeling of striving, getting back and this 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 journey has allowed me to inspire so many kids kids are hitting me up like hey how are you getting through it so that's the great thing about what has happened uh, that's a, a good point that you that you brought up uh that you are inspiring kids uh through your rehab and through other business endeavors that you have and we'll, we'll touch on that in a bit and so it brings me uh to what danny and i were talking about as the WNBA gets started danny's learning that philadelphia is the fourth biggest tv market in america no way. and yet it doesn't have a WNBA team, and there's so much to be learned yeah. uh, from the you women professional basketball players, mm -hmm. uh, and so much that you guys can do. Not just inspiring other athletes, but who knows what a Division One scholarship could lead to uh, in terms of people that you could meet, industries that you can get into just by aspiring to be somebody in your position. Uh, mm -hmm. If you can, let's just say a council member, a council city member, somebody who's making decisions is watching the show as they're getting ready for the first round of the playoffs. Can you tell them why there needs to be a WNBA team in Philadelphia? Because, you know, women exist too, and they need to be inspired in sports. More girls are playing, not just basketball, but more sports in general, not just in the States, but in all over the world. Um, the definitely Philly could use a team. I would love a, a team uh, where I'm from in Baltimore, but DC has a team. But, you know, it's good to test the market. Why not? You know what I mean? And see how it, how it does. I think um, a lot of the teams, uh, a lot of states that have men teams, they enjoy having the women there kind of laughing and joking, coming in, practicing after them. I know Danny experienced it when he was in L.A. and in San Antonio. And we create those relationships with the guys. You know what I mean? And it's really beautiful. They're like our big brothers. So it's good to have that camaraderie. You know what I mean? And just with the fans, they love seeing it. Um, it's not conflicting with the NBA because we're in the summertime. So they give some people some summertime hoops, something to do when it's hot out. Uh, I think it could be a good thing. Definitely, I agree. And, and yeah. I said, it's kind of a bummer for me because usually, you know, you see other guys repping their other, so the girls' mm -hmm. team from their city. Yeah. We're not able to do that. Obviously, happy 25th anniversary, but we're not able to rep, you know, wear, you know, yeah. the women's side jersey to our arena or games like the other guys could. Um, so, but that, that bond, that camaraderie, is some special and it's a lot of fun, but and I said I didn't know that how big the media base was in Philly till I got here. Most people don't yeah, know that. It's huge. Um, so yeah, when you got that big of a media base, you, you need all sports there. You need all not just yeah. men's sports, but you need women's sports too. All um, right, Philly, let's do it, Philly. Yeah, how big it is! It's a big market. We need it. We need a women's team. 
we, we would love to get a women's team in Philadelphia and in general, in general, just happy to have uh, teams in Philadelphia because last year uh, the men played in the bubble. I think the, the women's bubble in Florida was also named the Wubble. I know there was a documentary that recently came out about it. Uh, Angel, if you could talk about, and Danny, if you could follow up on this, mm-hmm. the challenges uh, that came in that format and how that could have impacted certain players or teams or just uh, psyches of teams in general. And yeah. what do you expect to see now with the WNBA out of that environment and with the NBA playoffs not in that environment as well? Woo, Danny, I know you can tell that that bubble, boy. That bubble life was tough. I mean, it, it was yeah. tough because just what was 2020 was just a tough year. And then being in a bubble, you're in this confinement and you have COVID that's going crazy. You have social injustice and we want to be out there in the streets with our people, but we're stuck in the bubble. But we did a great job of using our platforms for social injustice. The guys, they put the phrases on the back of their, their jerseys. We put Breonna Taylor. So I feel like we did a lot of stuff uh, in the bubble to compensate for that. But it was tough mentally just being in the bubble. We were in there three and a half months because we were the uh, last two teams with Seattle in the finals. And it was just like, oh my God, I've been in this place for so long. <laughs> and you know, we had to fight for a little more. You know, we had to, um, hey, can we get a, a hairdresser in here? Uh, can we get a couple yeah, more things? Like, come on that's now. tough. Yeah, we tried to, <laughs> we heard a lot of the, um, said CP and a lot of the guys were trying to help push in some of the complaints yeah. you guys had. And obviously some of you guys have kids, they forget like, you know, the daycare center, some of you guys have children. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not easy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were down that stretch two, three and a half months. The bubble was tough. We did yeah. use our platforms wisely. Uh, so we got some good out of it. Uh, but it was yeah. mentally, emotionally draining yeah. and um, hard to deal with. But, um, you know, we, we got through it. We made it out. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have to do it again. But, I mean, yeah. you got a ring out of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been All lucky. Right, so, hey. It was <laughs> worth it. It was <laughs> worth it. It was worth it. Yeah. We made it out. But um, Like a plan to me. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> As we talked about uh, opportunities that come from playing basketball and now that you're out the bubble, you're able to actually be in the community and, and, and do things that are going to help you, not just as a basketball player, but as a role model in general. Um, and now I know you're, you're dealing with other, you're putting your time in other investments, whether it's being investing in tech or uh, media opportunities. Can you take us through what a day by day is like now for you, including the rehab? Oh man, my day, my day's gotten busy. Um, my first ACL, I, I just had a lot of time because I, I was like, what direction do I go? But that first ACL set me up for now. So now I'm a part of Players TV. You know, I'm in the athlete tech group. Uh, um, I'm about to uh, get into the Derby, owning my own horses in the Kentucky Derby. Um, so Danny, let me know if you're interested in that. I, I, I'm interested in all those things. Yeah. I also want to also hear, we're going to ask you about a lot of those things. We're gonna, like ask you what are the lessons that you learned from doing a lot of those outside endeavors outside of basketball like what does oh, it yeah. taught you yeah, from, yeah. from the outside's perspective and what does it taught you as a basketball player and maybe mm-hmm. possibly coach on the sideline now this year yeah absolutely because you know all those endeavors you you know we just grew up playing basketball so we don't know so much of the business side until we actually get into it and when you get into it you learn like wow this is harder than what it looks business is hard you know um, I owned the ice, ice cream shop before COVID. I closed it down. It was like, okay, you got to take your employees, staff, this, that, the other. And then it's kind of relatable to basketball. You want people to come back, fans to come back and watch you play. So I had to teach my employees to be nice, have a smile on your face, work hard. So we want them to come back. So it kind of ties them together, but you learn so much more just on, on the back end with, with um, just the business side of it. So it's a great experiences to learn. 
and I want to commend you guys because especially you, but you guys are the leaders and set the tone. Everything that we've done, we've learned. We watch you guys and kind of follow suit. You know, when we do the social injustice platform stuff, the business side, the tech side, everything. It seems like a lot of ideas have come from you guys' side, and you guys have kind of set the tone and done it, done it first. Um, even though we may get all the credit, a lot of it comes from you guys. So uh, thank you guys. Thank all your the whole league, your teammates, um, for being yeah. you know such a, a big. I guess voice in our communities and everything else and not just on the court off the court business side tech side um, mm -hmm. of just bringing so many ideas to the forefront for our leagues and our people absolutely that's what we're here for to help you guys and, and do this thing you know Angel before before we have you go and you thank you for alluding to why there should be a WNBA team in Philadelphia because hey. what what young lady in Philadelphia right now is now thinking hey I could potentially one day own a horse in the Kentucky Derby because I did not expect <laughs> yes. that. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> this is a time that we want to inspire. And I always say like women's basketball is like evolution. Like you see more girls dunking than ever before. And then 10 more years, you're going to see more girls dunking and more athletic than ever before. So it's like an evolution in our game. So, you know, hey, bring a team to Philly, you know, who, who came from Philly? Don Staley, one of the biggest names. So you have more Don Staley's in Philly that are just ready to explode. So I think it's definitely a good market to test it out. I, I got to know now, though, before you go, what have you tested out some names for said Kentucky Derby racehorse? Ah, that's actually I have not yet, but that's actually I'm going to work on that one. <laughs> OK, OK. I just need to know who to put my money. I just need to know who to put my money on. That's that's what I'm trying to figure out. He's a gambler. Out. He's, he gambles sometimes. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny, Harrison? A couple years ago when Rick Pitino was at Louisville, he bought a horse and he put it in my name. And the next thing I know, I see this article and it says McCarty is a winner on and off the court. I'm like, what is this? What are they talking about? Somebody's like, you know, Patino bought a horse in your name and you won. You're a winner. You're always a winner. I'm like, oh, snap. Oh, okay. So, okay. Cool. so we got hey, we're gonna talk about that. We That's fire. Yeah. That's fire yeah, for to, sure. I'm gonna have to invest one. I'm gonna put one in your name, Harry. Yeah. There we go. There we yeah. go. Dirty there you go. In, inside, inside the winner's circle. That's what it's got to be called. Circle. And we need more African-Americans into that. So that's yes. good that we're, we're getting into that now. Sure. There we go. Uh, Angel, yeah. we appreciate your time. And this is exactly why, exactly why uh, we need a WNBA team in every major market. You don't know what it can inspire uh, yeah. from our youth on both, uh, both sexes too. Yeah. Um, so no, I would be appreciate your time. Uh, anything else that you would like to mention before we get out of here? No, just I can't wait to see you in the playoffs, Danny. Go get them. Yes, thank you. I'm <laughs> looking forward to watching you guys too. Read, rate, subscribe, review. Looking yep. forward to the ice cream shop opening back up and doing another ice cream show. So, uh, yeah, appreciate you joining us once again. So much love. Um, good luck. Get healthy soon. Yes. And you know, good luck with the, the, the Kentucky Derby, the business endeavors, all those things. So, Thanks, yeah. guys. Actually one, actually, one more thing. And, Angel, I have to deal with this problem all the time. Watch what, <laughs> yeah, watch what happens here. Watch what happens here. You ready? Watch, because I'm not going to get an answer. Danny, what's your favorite <laughs> ice cream flavor? I, he knows this. So this, you know the answer to this. I don't have a favorite oh. anything. You see? Yeah, there it goes. But, again, again. But, he never has a favorite. <laughs> when it comes to ice cream, I do have a preference. There is a top one that over that is going to be ch chocolate chip cookie dough. Vanilla ice cream, chocolate chip cookie dough. That's probably the most preferred ice cream that I eat. But I don't have a favorite anything. But if that's then you don't have a favorite dough, TV show or a favorite anything? There's uh, too many things that are very great out there that I can, can't can choose one over all of them. Does that make sense? See, not even inside the green room? 
Because, well, podcast, <laughs> I have a favorite podcast inside the green room, of course. Okay. Cool. But there's other ones out there that I like and support as well. Okay. Um, but there's a lot of TV shows that said, I can't say, oh, I like this one so much more. Because then it's not a favorite if you like five different ones. Okay. People say, okay. people say favorite and they don't really, that doesn't mean, oh, I like Fresh Prince Martin. That's more than one. It's not a fit. You can't have a You don't favor uh, one ring over the other? One championship ring? Nah. Uh, all right. I love most <laughs> of it. It's like, you, it's, like, it's like choosing, saying you have a favorite kid. You can't, you love all your kids differently, but you love them all the same. The same. I'm, trying, I'm, I'm trying to get him ready. I'm trying to get him ready. I'm trying to get him ready for first take and we need hot takes. <laughs> and he just won't give any hot takes at all. Yeah, never, never a hot take at all. Yeah, we're working on it though. <laughs> Once again, thank you for your time. Really appreciate you. Um, Thanks, best Brad. of luck, and can't wait to see you back healthy and back on the court. All right, I'll see you guys soon. Yep, Thanks. definitely. <laughs> all right. We're back with more Inside the Green Room. Harrison Sanford, Danny Green, who's in chase of his fourth NBA title ring. And speaking of rings, Danny recently put a photorealistic version of his 2020 ring with the Los Angeles Lakers on the market. Danny, what? Explain, please. <laughs> Not the exact ring, man. It's a, like I said, it's a photorealistic version of it. Um, I don't know anything about NFTs, the non-fungible tokens. These are things that people are selling on the internet via the web. Um, people are selling tweets, people are selling art, people are selling different things. And obviously I can't take credit for this. One of the homies, actually our producer of the show, Amjad Osman, came to me with this idea. And I thought it was pretty cool, man, to uh, get a NFT or a photo realistic version of my ring. Um, I thought it was pretty dope. I thought it was a cool idea. Um, I thought it was something to be the first to do. And it wasn't always, it's never really about the money with me. It's always about um, expanding or learning or pushing the culture forward. Um, also about giving back to community. So we're able to give some money back to, you know, Blacks and technology. There's another opportunity for me to do that. Uh, but it also said, learn about the space. Obviously, people are big on Bitcoin. People are big on um, so many other things that's going on um, with stocks, bonds, uh, you know, with fungible tokens now, non-fungible tokens. So um, it's just something for me to learn about, something to be share space or, you know, I guess, inform not just on myself, but other people in our community about and you know, do something cool. Be the first of, of the first to to sell something uh, that was different um, as a I guess NFT. No, it's that's great, and I think as more and more people get interested in, or start learning more about the techno technological advances that uh, we're making in financial industry um, and cryptocurrency and things of that nature, it's really going to help the culture move forward or anybody else move forward financially. And financial stability is everything. So you can go to Wells Fargo Center and cheer on uh, the Sixers, maybe get you a sweet drink or two. Danny, as you're looking at this series against the Atlanta Hawks, they had a great uh, amount of success against the New York Knicks at State Farm Arena, at Madison Square Garden. Clint Capella talked a big game, backed it up. Trey Young, vicious, uh, all-star caliber type of player. Uh, what sticks out to you in the scouting report when you look at this second round matchup? So they have a lot of firepower, man. Um, they brought in a lot of pieces this summer and even during the trade deadline. They have a lot of weapons with, you know, Lou Will coming in, Gallo off the bench. Uh, Herder's playing well. Hunter back from injury. Uh, Bogey's playing very well. Trey and, and, and John Collins, they, those guys are very good. So they have a lot of pieces. Clint Capella being the X factor, protecting the rim, rebounding, and catching lobs for them. Um, so they said they're finally putting it together and figuring it out. Um, but what impressed me is, is how well they kept their composure in the garden. 
Um, also, I liked how the Knicks handled the situation too. You know, they didn't go back and forth with the trash talk and things like that. Uh, but it is fun. It's, it's part of the game. It's basketball. They came in super confident. Um, hopefully, that'll change um, in this series. We'll try to change that ourselves. But if not, it'll be good basketball. Hopefully, it stays um, competitive. And I know guys will have a chippy edge. Hopefully, it doesn't get dirty or anything like that. But it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we got a lot on our, our plate right now trying to stop those guys. Um, but vice versa, we get Joel back. It's going to be a lot for them to stop him and, and us as well. But um, we have to figure it out because they have a lot of weapons and a lot of firepower right now. Trey Young is Trey Young. He's not Steph Curry. I don't know if they have a replica, quote unquote, of Draymond Green on that roster. But there are some similarities between Trey Young and Steph Curry. How much can you learn, of not just against how you played against uh, Trey Young in your matchups, but also what you might have done against Steph when he had that brilliant performance against you guys in Wells Fargo Center? How much can you take from that matchup, try to implement it, in this matchup against the Hawks? A lot, actually. Um, even though they're, they are have some similarities, they are different types of players, but the way that they have, the range that they have, you have to pick them up at a certain part of the court. So picking them up at a certain place on the court and make sure they don't get rhythm at that far out. Um, obviously, Trey is that they're different, but figuring out how to make them play toward their weaknesses. Hopefully, obviously, they miss shots, but putting defenders on them, throwing multiple bodies at them, multiple looks at them, uh, so, you know, it's not consistent. So they don't know what's coming, what's happening. And, and you know, so superstars, regardless of what you do to them, you can't continue to keep the same look because they're going to figure it out and beat it, regardless if you're trapping them, regardless if you're playing this way. You have to throw different things at them so that they're not just consistently knowing what's being thrown at them. So that's going to be a challenge. And also said, keeping those other guys in the rap suit. It's not just a, a game of Trey Young. You know, obviously, Clint Capella's been huge for them. John Collins has been huge for them. Uh, you said Bogdan, Bogdan's been huge for them. Um, Lou Will has been playing some games. Gallo's been huge for them. Um, so yeah, Herder, Hunter, they have a list of guys that have been putting up double figures pretty easily. Um, so, yeah, so we have a lot on our plate, man. And then hopefully we can slow him down and then uh, slow the rest of them down as well. For sure. No, they, they have a pretty good roster. They might not have a lot of names that are uh, familiar with the playoffs, uh, but even though they do have a handful, uh, they, are, they are a pretty talented roster. And I think one thing that's going to be interesting about them as well, Danny, uh, they are a different team since Lord, Pe Lord Pierce is no longer the head coach. Now that Nate McMillan is there, and you're familiar with Nate McMillan, a very uh, good disciplined defensive coach, uh, they're going to put some things in, your, in front of you guys that are going to be interesting to see how you guys adjust. Um, and I speak of adjust too, because you guys had to go through a, a somewhat of a transformation without Joel and, and implementing new sense and new, new sets and new type of play structures without Joel Embiid there. Uh, how do you feel in terms of how you guys are as an offensive unit being prepared to play without Joel Embiid considering the new defensive challenge that you see? Because no disrespect to the Wizards, they're not the Atlanta Hawks on the defensive side of the ball. For sure. Um, I'm very confident in our group, regardless of who's on the floor. Um, offensively, I think we're going to figure it out. You know, Doc has some good stuff implemented. Jaeger is great with the out-of-timeout plays. Uh, so we'll figure it out. We'll move the ball. We'll, we'll find each other and hopefully knock down some shots or get more of a rhythm and guys keep their confidence and continue to shoot the ball with, with confidence and knock down those shots. Now, defensively is where I think it gets a little tricky. Uh, we have to play smaller rebounding, but, you know, we're undersized without Joel as much um, and also the rim protection. So, we have to do a better job if he's not playing of rebounding and protecting the rim and boxing guys out. Um, take that upon myself as well, trying to you know keep guys with the glass. Obviously, there's not as many Westbrooks out there uh, that are getting offensive rebounds or, or Gaffords that are out there. Uh, but Clint Capella is very big on the boards from offensively and defensively. So um, if Joel's not to be able to play the first game or two, we're going to have to figure out said, how to use our small ball to our advantage, but also rebound and protect the rim better. I have to admit, I'm a little slightly, a little bit, 
disappointed that this series won't take place um, in Madison Square Garden, your second round yeah. series with the Hawks yeah. winning. You know, uh, what I think I was I was looking forward to that too. It would have been nice to be able to play the Garden. I mean, should have been fun to even play Atlanta in the Garden. But I mean, they're the better team won. But it's like we, I think, so looking at the matchup, we knew Atlanta had a lot of pieces and that they were going to be tough to beat. But I think a little bit, and all of us wanted to be able to play in the Garden for the playoffs at one point, just you know to get that experience. It'd been fun. For sure. Maybe next year. We'll see what happens. Uh, before we get out of here, Danny, quick, 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 quick prediction. Milwaukee Bucks, Brooklyn Nets. Who wins and why? I think this series is going to go seven, man. Um, and I, I, I actually have Milwaukee on the edge. Uh, so I think that they're just uh, better. I wouldn't say better organized. It's just a, a team. They've been together for longer. They have a, a good system. I think Brooklyn is, is, I'm going to say more one-on-one, but it is more of a one-on-one type of play. It's, you know, James will do his thing. Katie will do his thing. Um, hopefully all teams, both teams stay healthy. But I just think, you know, Milwaukee has a better all-around team with per- perimeter shooting from one through five. And they're a tough, really tough matchup for anybody because of how well Brooke Lopez shoots the ball, uh, Bobby Porter shoots the ball. And obviously Bryn Forbes, if he continues to shoot the ball that well off the bench for them, um, it makes it tough. So, I just like the way that they've been playing, um, their rhythm they have been getting into. Brooklyn, obviously, is a very talented team. I said, hopefully, they, they stay healthy. If not, I think the absence of Jeff Green hurts them a little bit, uh, the absence of other people that are on the sideline as well. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I think this goes seven, and, and I think it goes to Milwaukee, which yeah. I think they're the – they're the three seed, correct? So they would correct. be winning they would on be, the road. They would, have to win at, they would have to win at Brockway Center to win the series if it went to seven. Yeah, man, that, that's my prediction. Your prediction is yours. Uh, I actually tend to agree. Uh, the, the Bucks look very good in that Miami Heat series. Did not, I expected them to win, did not expect them to sweep. I'm not going to do the prediction of uh, your series against Atlanta Hawks, but I will say this. I, do, I am prepared to do another episode of this show at the end of round two. Is that cool? Sounds, sounds good to me, man.